This is the world in brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Elon Musk claimed Twitter had quote no choice but to conduct mass layoffs as the social media platform is losing four million dollars per day. Around half of Twitter's 7,500 staff were sacked on Friday, while major brands pulled ads from the site amid concerns about its future. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden said that Mr. Musk had bought an outfit that quote spews lies across the world. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, said any remaining civilians in Kherson in southern Ukraine should leave. His first public acknowledgement that Ukrainian forces are drawing close to the occupied city. Meanwhile, Ukraine's president Volodymyr Zelensky said that the most intense fighting was around Bakhmut, 500 kilometers away, where Russia was quote, forcing tens or hundreds of thousands more people to the meat grinder. Iran's Revolutionary Guards launched a new rocket capable of carrying a satellite, according to state television. The country has three satellites in orbit and claims its program is peaceful, though Western powers are not so sure. The test launch came amid renewed protests over the death in police custody of Masa Amini, a 22-year-old woman who was arrested for breaching the dress code. Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's conglomerate, recorded a loss of $2.7 billion in the third quarter of 2022 as stocks sagged. That is better than the $43.8 billion it lost in the second quarter, though less than its $10.3 billion profit a year ago amid a stock market boom. Operating earnings, a proxy for the cash generated by the firm's businesses, rose compared with a year ago to $7.8 billion. China's president, Xi Jinping, said explicitly that nuclear weapons should not be used in the war over Ukraine. As the Russian side is the one that might escalate in that fashion, Mr. Xi's remark came as a cautionary note to its quote, no limits ally, drawing a limit, as it were. He spoke alongside Olaf Scholz as Germany's chancellor concluded a visit to Beijing. A fire at a bar in Russia killed at least 13 people, according to state media, after a drunk reveler fired a flare gun on the dance floor. Around 250 people were evacuated from the venue in Kostroma, a city 300 kilometers northeast of Moscow. Lethal blazes are common in Russia. A fire at a Siberian shopping mall killed at least 60 people in 2018. Imran Khan. Pakistan's former prime minister accused his successor Shabazz Sharif and two other officials of plotting to assassinate him after he was shot in the leg during a rally on Thursday. They denied involvement. The army asked the government to investigate the attack as well as quote those responsible for defamation and false accusations. And word of the week: Pezon trends. Indonesia's Islamic boarding schools, testing grounds for the quote eco-Islam movement. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. COP27 kicks off. 
On Sunday, the United Nations Annual Climate Summit begins. Delegates have massed in Sharm el-Sheikh, an Egyptian resort town on the Red Sea, for the event which runs for two weeks. Politicians will make lofty public promises about reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Behind closed doors, meanwhile, negotiators will squabble about how to do it and who should pay. At last year's summit in Glasgow, nearly 200 countries recommitted themselves to the Paris Agreement target of limiting global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius over pre-industrial levels by 2100. That goal already appears practically out of reach. Countries have failed to adequately slash emissions, which are still rising globally. The consequences of this will be catastrophic, and every effort should be made to ensure as little warming as possible. But there also must be an enhanced commitment to adaptation, including poor countries' calls for funding for the damages they have already incurred. The clock has already ticked too far. Australia's Reckoning with Racism The list of crimes perpetrated against Australia's aboriginals, who make up about 4% of the population, is long and grim. Even by those standards, the death of Cassius Turvey shocked the country. On October 13th, the 15-year-old was walking home from school in Perth, in Western Australia, when he was chased down and assaulted with a metal pole. He died of his injuries ten days later. Police have charged Jack Brearley, a white 21-year-old, with murder. Mr. Brearley will appear in court on November 9th. Aboriginals are aghast. Thousands have gathered in vigils this week, calling for an end to racism against their people. Yet police warn against, quote, unfounded speculation that could prejudice a jury and jeopardize the trial. They say there is nothing to indicate yet that there was a racial motive suggesting it could be a case of mistaken identity. To Aboriginals, that is tin-eared and proof that authorities remain indifferent to their plight. Corruption at FIFA Of the 22 men on FIFA's executive committee in 2010 who voted to award the 2018 World Cup to Russia and the 2022 edition to Qatar, more than half of them have been accused, indicted, or convicted of corruption, according to Nick Harris, a journalist. For years, football's global governing body was a rotten organization, more concerned with feathering the nests of its leaders than promoting the game around the world. But in recent years, investigative journalists and law enforcement officials have been applying more scrutiny. The reckoning for a generation of football administrators most notably Sepp Blatter, who was FIFA's president for 17 years, is the subject of a new Netflix documentary, FIFA Uncovered, released next week. The World Cup in Qatar, which starts in a fortnight, will be an exercise in damage limitation for FIFA before it can turn its attention to the 2026 event. Co-hosted by America, Canada, and Mexico, that tournament has so far escaped the whiff of corruption. Smartphones can assess bridge safety. People like to imagine that bridges are unshakably solid. In reality, they are dynamic. Vehicles and wind keep them constantly a-quiver. Engineers regularly monitor bridges' structural integrity with expensive sensors. 
but research published in Communications Engineering shows that crowdsourced data from drivers' smartphones can detect a bridge's vibrations just as accurately. Researchers, and some Uber drivers, drove back and forth across the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco as their phones ran a purpose-built app. In under 100 crossings, the app was able to tune out traffic noise and isolate the bridge's vibrational frequencies. The crowdsourced data was nearly identical to that from conventional sensors placed along the bridge. The same held true for tests on a shorter concrete road bridge. The engineers estimate that this practice could add up to 15 years to a bridge's life. No bridge lasts forever, but constant, cheap data is the key to preventative maintenance. Weekend Profile Carrie Lake, Arizona's Republican candidate for governor. The first time she was, quote, canceled really hard, as she puts it, Carrie Lake did some soul-searching. In 2019, a hot mic had caught Ms. Lake, then a veteran television newsreader in Phoenix, Arizona, crudely dismissing concerns about her presence on Parley, a right-wing social network. Fuck them, she said of her detractors. They're 20-year-old dopes. After the tape leaked, the dopes called for Ms. Lake to be fired. She spent a week off the air, but her unease only grew. She turned to God. She started comparing the Bible she kept on one side of her desk with the news scripts she kept on the other. Eventually, she quit broadcasting altogether, saying she was through with, quote, having to read news that I felt wasn't fully truthful. Shortly thereafter, she announced her candidacy as a Republican for governor of Arizona in a video produced by her husband, a videographer with a penchant for soft-focus backgrounds. Ms. Lake enjoys a slight lead over her lackluster Democratic opponent, Katie Hobbs, ahead of Tuesday's election. She is reveling in her cancellation. Ms. Lake frequently peddles the lie that the 2020 election was stolen, earning Donald Trump's approval. She describes immigration on Arizona's southern border as an, quote, invasion. She has accused Ms. Hobbs of supporting sex education for youngsters and opposing medical care for infants who survive abortion attempts. Both characterizations are misleading, but unlike many of Mr. Trump's acolytes, she is fully media-trained. Glenn Beck, a right-wing radio host, compares her speaking talent to that of Ronald Reagan. Ms. Hobbs refuses to debate her, no doubt for fear of getting shown up. Critics spy opportunism in Ms. Lake's recent political awakening. She says no politician since Reagan has thrilled her like Mr. Trump, yet she voted for Barack Obama in 2008. She calls herself Christian from birth and dismisses rumors that she dabbled in Buddhism. The yoga was for stress relief, she says. If she can convince Arizona voters that she is the real deal, the Lake playbook, ultra-smooth delivery of far-right talking points, could be a winner. Democrats are rightly worried. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia. Yasumasa Watanabe, Tokyo, Japan. North America, Kathy Adams, Burlington, Canada. Central and South America, Sylvia Mora Bowen, Quito, Ecuador. 
Europe, Agnieszka Bugajska, Krakow, Poland, Africa, Hassan Aluli Abdaluli, Rabat, Morocco, Oceania, Warren Tuhe, Auckland, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of Luke, Empire State, Napoleon Solo, the Maltese Falcon, and Force. The theme is Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, The Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo, Millennium Falcon, and The Force. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from James Clerk Maxwell. He that would enjoy life and act with freedom must have the work of the day continually before his eyes. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 